This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. So you've, you've rearranged your desk. Have you been sort of getting uh, geared up for potential new stuff? Yeah, so how it used to be when the iMac was here, I basically bought a length of worktop from Ikea, mm. and that sort of runs the width of the room, so Heather's got a piece of it, and I've got a piece of it, and we sort of share it, and there's a cupboard in the middle of us. And for some reason, I don't really know why I thought it now, it, it's clearly a mistake in hindsight, but you've got to try these things. I thought, wouldn't it be good if the iMac was a little bit higher? I think I kind of got suckered in by, you know, I saw a lot of YouTubers with that high-rise thing, yeah, almost like a little metal thing that you put your iMac sort of in slash on and I kind of thought well it might be nice to get a bit of desk space back so I we had a spare sort of half a length for this worktop so I, I cut it back so that it could sort of sit towards the back of the desk against the wall yep so you made like a sort of shelf a little bit of a shelf thing yeah and like some little mini legs that stand it I don't know yay high above the desk and I never liked it as, as soon as I did it I was like oh this is not right and but I spent so long like routing all of my cables and making sure everything was, you know, everything was set up perfectly. I was like, I just don't want to take it apart again. Yeah. So I just kind of live with it. And I kind of knew that I was going to sell sell the iMac anyway. So I just kind of sucked it up really and lived with it. And obviously now the iMac's been gone for ages. That kind of shelf thing has still been there. And it means that whenever I come up to the desk with my laptop, the laptop's kind of forced towards the, the front of the desk where I'm sitting. Yeah. So it makes it all a little bit awkward because you can't open the laptop fully with it there. So um, Saturday I had a bit of spare time and I kind of thought, enough's enough, I'm just going to rip it all to bits and start again. So um, yeah, essentially it kind of, my desk kind of looks like there's a computer missing unless I'm on it with my laptop. I, d- I don't want to go too far in like setting the desk up because if I get a new laptop, hopefully soon, yeah, um, everything's going to change in terms of like USB-C and, and power and all that stuff. Yeah. So I, I don't want to like hardwire it for my current MacBooks. I'm only going to have to rip it all out again in like three weeks, maybe. And, and you're going to be going to be thinking in terms of like placing a, a USB C hub probably somewhere, right? Yeah. That's... And also possibly a monitor. I've got a 24 inch um, 1920 by 1200 sort of monitor from years yep. ago. Yep. And I thought I'll pop that on the little shelf thing that I had and connect my MacBook into it, because then at least I can sort of semi-make it like a desktop. What I failed to think about was the GPU issue I've got with my MacBook. I've kind of locked out the NVIDIA GPU, so it just runs on the Intel integrated one. Oh no, right, yeah. And that means it can't drive an external display. Oh. As far as I'm aware. Yeah, that's that's quite extreme. Or it can't drive an external display well, put it that way. Yeah. So much so that this, I think I got a picture at one point this is like weeks ago I tried this, I can't fully remember. But I just got this weird kind of grainy, wavy, purple slash green speckledy pattern all over the screen. Yep. Um, so I kind of, yeah, I was like, okay, this this isn't going to work out. So I just kind of put that idea back on the on, on the shelf, really. Do you know, I, I get that issue periodically with my Mac Mini. Um, it does it when I boot up and then once you're logged in, it's like a, the the proper driver or um, handshake or whatever it needs to do with HDMI kind of kicks in, and then everything's fine. So it, it only lasts up until the login screen, um, and, oh, and then, then yeah, once you're logged in, it's fine. 
Um, but I'm pretty sure it's an HDMI issue. I think if I connected through, you know, something else hanging off of one of the USB-C ports, I'm sure it would be fine. Um, because, yeah, HDMI seems to attract these kind of oddities. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's going to be a, a driver issue. And I've only had it since um, updating to Catalina. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'm hoping they fix it because it's kind of a bit startling when you you know you boot up and it's like it doesn't happen every time but every time it happens I'm like okay is this you know something more untoward or or what um, but like I say once you're logged in it's it's absolutely fine um, yeah it's a bit unnerving isn't it when it's in the context of it's like a desktop PC yep and it's completely understandable that you'd plug it in via HDMI yep. You'd think that whole thing would just be end-to-end, just like seamless, like this cannot go wrong when it gets to a user because so many people are going to plug in with HDMI and we don't want people freaking out that their computer's broken. Not, yeah. not least because of like the support overhead that's going to bring as well. Well, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just, this, this is definitely a software issue as well because once you log in, everything's fine. You know, this is not like my monitor's, you know, on its way out or something weird like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know other devices like Raspberry Pis and things don't do it. So <laughs> yeah, so I'm um, yeah. The the desk is kind of like bare bones at the minute. I've got a mic stand bolted to it. I've got the audio interface, and I've got a USB cable and a network cable, and that's basically all all there is on the desk really. And the laptop just comes and plugs into the network and the USB for the audio interface and. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of like running on not a lot at the minute. But yeah, like I said, it could be that in in time I start looking at like a 4K monitor or something to pair the MacBook to when I when I end up getting it. Hopefully, if they bring it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm I'm eyeing up 4K monitors myself, uh, sort of periodically, and then the it kind of feels like an unnecessary expense right now. I've got to be honest. I mean, I'll appreciate the higher definition monitor for sure. I've I've got mine into in an old uh, twenty four inch um, full HD. It's at nineteen twenty yeah. by by ten eighty, and it's doing the job. And then you know, if I need to, I've got Sidecar with uh, with my iPad as well, um, which can be like really handy for sort of chucking Slack and other bits and bobs onto, and then having Xcode full screen on on the monitor. Yeah, I quite like that as a sort of you know, kind of keep track of stuff while I'm coding, sort of set up. Um, but yeah, I'll appreciate a bit of extra real estate and I'll definitely appreciate the higher definition, but actually this Mac Mini needs uh, more RAM sooner than I need a, a new monitor. So I've, yeah. I've got an order of priority to, to upgrades I'm going to buy. Um, and all of which I can kind of do, you know, in the course of time over the next six months and you know, the, the setup I'll have will be get close to my ideal kind of setup. But when I look at the 4K monitors, I actually keep looking at um, at ones that will support the Thunderbolt 3 over USB-C, or yeah. however you describe that connection. Um, and then that's, potentially that's having the dream, a monitor. isn't it? Yeah, and then the monitor itself then has, you know, all my older USB, uh, USB-A sized ports and I can just leave you know, things like the audio interface and bits and bobs like hard drives and stuff plugged into the monitor. And then it's just one cable between that and the uh, and the Mac Mini. 
at that point, it feels like the whole USB dream slash ecosystem starting to pay dividends. Yeah. Because yeah. until that point, what what is it except a hassle, really, for most people? It's an absolute gaggle of cables at the moment hanging out the back of uh, of my Mac Mini. You know, and, and part of that's just, that's me being tardy on kind of sorting out a decent hub and stuff like that. But, you know, again, a decent hub versus maybe just spending that bit extra on the monitor and getting something that sort of feels like a permanent setup. You know, that's, that's kind of where my head's at. Especially in the context of a laptop. Yeah. I mean, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? One cable, come up to your desk, bang, one cable, you've got power, you've got video, you've got data, you've got... Yeah. Goodness knows what else. I mean, that's... um, Yeah. You can almost kind of forgive Apple for the, you know, USB-C adoption, or the heavy-handed USB-C adoption, I should say, because lots of other manufacturers have USB-C, it's just that Apple only have USB-C, which I think is obviously where the the problems come in, but... Yeah, I, I would worry that on paper it sounds great. You know, I could connect hard drives, the audio interface, this, that, and the other via the monitor to via one cable to my laptop. But then what if it's flaky? Yeah. I've heard a few people saying, especially with the audio interface, just just don't. Right. Just plug the... if you're gonna, All the other stuff, fine, if it's like not mission critical. But if this audio interface falls over right now, our, our podcast is kind of done, isn't it really? For Yeah. Our, so that needs to work so i i think i probably would for the one time a week that i come up and podcast with you i'd probably have that on a separate cable yeah but things like a time machine drive or just a usb hard drive that's got a few files on it things like that um yeah totally put that through a monitor i wouldn't worry too much about it uh, i suspect that you would find that it will depend on the the quality of that interface so if it's a, a monitor that's got it all baked in and you know, got extra ports hanging off of the monitor. Um, for a start, it's going to be behaving like a powered USB-C hub. And I think that will matter quite a bit. Mm. You know, so if it is behaving like that, then I think you'll find it's, it's going to you know, handle just that bit better. Because a lot of the time, the problems is that an unpowered hub just can't handle the load of lots of different devices. And then things kind of crap out. Uh you know, and the recommendation then is to, to, to have a powered hub. Um, and so I think if the monitor's behaving like that, you'll probably find that it is fine to just have everything all sort of hooked through it. Where was it? I think it was ATP. And this is going back a good year, 18 months, possibly more. And I think Marco was going through like loads of different USB Thunderbolt 3 hubs that he was finding on Amazon. And they, they all kind of exhibited this, similar level of flakiness not right. that they were flaky all the time but just you know eventually they would trip up and we'd have to unplug it plug it back in or you know stuff like that yeah and, and i think he concluded that there was kind of like one sort of chipset that all of them use yeah uh there was gonna be one from perhaps intel at some point and then hopefully when that one became in, you know, got into the market, then maybe that would be better. I'm not sure if I'm remembering this correctly, but I think that the, the kind of bo- the the conclusion at that time, whether it's changed or not by now, I don't know. But at th- that time, it's kind of like doesn't really matter which one you buy; they're all going to kind of behave similarly, just because they all buy this chipset from manufacturer X. Yeah, and just sort of package it up and okay. those kind of thing, and then it, it works enough for them to yeah. be able to sell it. I don't know what the state of play is now. Um, okay. I'm not even sure if what I've just said is correct, for one thing, but this is like my memory of about two years ago. But yeah, no, I'd, be, that, I'd be interested if anyone does know. 
that, know a bit more about it. That doesn't sound too far out of the question to me, I guess. Um, I've kind of got flashbacks to the, um, something video related again, um, which is there was a, um, a video capture uh, card is the wrong word because it's an external device, um, but a video capture device uh, that was USB 3 made by Blackmagic and um and i remember uh, one of the things within the sort of vj video mixing community that was using this device to sort of bring um hdmi devices into their rigs you know you plug that in and then you could have an external thing that was doing whatever with video um brought right into the laptop um and then in as just like a sort of webcam source that you can mix with other things and and the problem with that device again came down to chipsets and compatibility, and the, there was this whole sort of like uh, somebody put together like a matrix, um, a, a spreadsheet that sort of said you know these laptops with these these chipsets work absolutely fine with it. These other laptops um, with these these chipsets don't bother. You're never going to get it working. You're going to constantly come up against different issues with it. Um, and one of the things that was interesting with it was that um, it worked fine on a MacBook Pro, provided you were running Windows with Boot Camp. <laughs> on Mac OS itself, you would end up with a load more problems. And I think that came down to the quality of drivers from Blackmagic, actually. Uh, but yeah, so, so there's this whole sort of thing about that that device and, and kind of the compatibility there. Uh, so yeah, that, that you know what you're saying doesn't sound uh, too too out of the blue to me at all actually sort of thinking about it kind of hope it's not true because that's kind of a shame isn't it if you're going to have that level of flakiness when you know USB-C and all of the ecosystem that surrounds it is kind of pitched as this like all-encompassing really comprehensive solution to device connectivity yeah and then for it to be let down in that way just leaves a bad taste really I think certainly means that we need to do a better research when sort of sorting out these setups and certainly more research than you know you would want to do i don't know i get quite in depth with the research when i'm buying anything (laughs) (laughs) i quite like it actually (laughs) that's what i liked about starting this podcast it is an excuse to research podcast gear (laughs) fair enough fair enough um but yeah i mean for for me for my setup i need to figure out what my uh my budget USB-C enabled monitor is um, and I haven't haven't quite got there yet do you really need it with a Mac mini uh, yeah as an argument say maybe not you know I mean it has all the ports on the back yeah um, I not think, to say don't go 4k but just not a USB-C monitor perhaps yeah yeah potentially um, I just need a better cable management setup at the moment um yeah, having a lot of things sort of hanging in in the back just kind of looks ugly because I've got it on its side and there's the visual of the machine itself. Um, it's purely aesthetic, but as I look at it now, I can see all of the wires out the back of it and it just mm. kind of looks a bit precarious the way it's set up. So, yeah, I need to do something about that. Right, so I've been on holiday the last few days, so I've not, I've not really been doing any development at all uh, lately. But you have, haven't you, Dave? And I think you were saying to me the other day that you'd uh, ended up with a an accidental Catalyst app. Yeah. Okay, so 
possibly a bit of naivety slash stupidity on my part, but I I'm doing a little bit of um, sort of data modelling um, as an aside from what I'm up to with read list and stuff, and I've been doing it on a on a Raspberry Pi, but the Raspberry Pi, bless it, is um, it's starting to feel the strain. So I kind of thought, I know what I'll do. I'll rewrite my script because it's not a massive script. So I'll rewrite it in Swift, and then I've got the um, the advantage of Swift being a compiled language versus PHP being more of like an interpreted kind of thing. So I set to work, um, you know, Xcode, file, new, project, and of course up comes the uh, you know, the dialogue thing. And I went to iOS, tabbed app, and then it said, what language do you want? I went Swift. It said, what, um, do you want to use Swift UI or whatever? I said, yes, I want to use Swift UI. Next. And then I thought, oh, um, I probably want this on the Mac, actually, don't I? Because I'm not really doing much data modelling on my phone. This is all. This is basically going to be a Mac app. So in, in my haste, I went into um, where you got the tick box for for macOS, yeah, yeah, and I ticked it, and it gave me a Mac app. And I was like, oh, cool. That's um, and and I, and I thought, well, this is just um, this isn't Catalyst. This is just a Mac app in Swift UI, but it but it wasn't, and and I went quite some time believing that I was just making a Swift UI app not necessarily using Catalyst, but it turned out that obviously that now I realise that, that was Catalyst. Um, not that I'm doing huge amounts with the UI, it, it's more kind of chucking stuff out to the console, but there is a small UI element to it. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing to note is it being a tabbed application, so it kind of, when it just loaded out of the box via Catalyst, basically looked like it would on an iPad. Right. And, okay, fine. Then I thought to myself, well... Maybe I should make just like a, a Mac app with Swift UI. So I've got a, ta- a project that's just for the Mac, you know, a Mac target. iOS has got nothing to do with it. And I copy and pasted the same um, tabbed uh, UI code over into that project. And then it looked a lot different. It looked much more like if you would go on a Mac into, say, settings, and then I've gone into the trackpad bit. Okay. And you know you've got the sort of tablet at the top where you've got point and click, scroll and zoom, or more gestures. Yep. And that's what it gave me on the Mac. Oh, wow, which okay. Is, which, is, which is kind of, that is a tab view in, in on a Mac, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I guess. So, so it's only right that the, that the Mac project outputted that. I suppose really what I should have done in the context of my accidental Catalyst app was I probably should have got done like a, if this is the Mac, then do it this way to make it more Mac-like. Yeah. Anyway, this this is all to say that I felt a bit a bit weird really because I kind of preferred what Catalyst gave me out of the box versus what the the proper Mac way was, and it just gave me a bit of pause, and I kind of felt like, am I? I even tweeted about it. I, I kind of said, am, am I am I a bad Mac user? Should should I be liking this? I should, I should be like, no, we need it. You know, the 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 Mac way, and and we don't want any of this iOS sort of rubbish on on our Macs. Mm-hmm. But actually, even to use like clicking around, like the the click targets were were bigger. Um, I thought it looked more modern, more up to date. You have a little icon next to the text, and yeah, you know, it just looked nicer yeah. to me anyway. Um, and that just kind of made me think. Given that Catalina's just been released and Catalyst has come with it there's been a lot of talk about whether the Catalyst apps are any good and if they're Mac-like enough. Yeah. And it's just kind of stopped me in my tracks, really, and, and, and made me think, well, 
does it have to be Mac-like? And what does Mac-like mean? And is it are we due like a bit of a Mac-like sort of renaissance? I, I don't know. Just um, I guess my question to you is, is it really that bad having something that is basically an iPad app running on the Mac? Because after this little encounter, I'm leaning towards, no, it's fine. Okay. So I would take that and immediately say, sitting on the fence, that it depends. Um, because at the moment, I've, I've just opened up the settings screen and I'm looking at the, the trackpad settings and I can see, you know, that that example of a you know, big air quotes tabbed interface um, yeah. where it's you know, laid out the different sections across the top. And actually, to me, it looks more like a kind of segmented control in a sense. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so my answer is I, I feel like it depends. In, in this context, this is a control panel and having tabbed areas that are um, just text-based in terms of their naming and then they are changing an area below it that kind of remains in exactly the same um, space and the same kind of design because you've got that um, square that kind of comes out of the tabs and comes around all the content below. That that makes sense for something that is just a, a, a tweak and a control of the same content. When you've got the iPad style, um, and I don't know which way the, the tabs end up on um, on the Mac because I've not done it. Do they all end up at the bottom the same as they do on the iPad? Yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And you've got the, um, so the, the targets are all at the bottom at that point. And that kind of breaks a little bit of some of the um, the sort of Mac philosophy as I remember it, which is, you know, all your controls for changing stuff about the view should kind of be to the top. So, you know, you, you move the mouse then you move the pointer all the way up to to the top, which is where the menu bar is, the file menu, and all of those things. So you put those kind of controls up there. Um, so that's one break with sort of tradition there that's probably a big deal to a lot of people. Um, but the difference being with the, with the iOS side um, is that when you change those tabs, you're not expecting the content above it to kind of fit the same design. On iOS, those those areas can be completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, you're using it to change the locality of where you are within the app itself, and it's effectively a nice way of changing uh, the window of the app, almost. You, know, you Normally, you've got a, a main UI area, like a home area that is the main part of the app, and then you've got either a settings screen or a, a bit of additional information. Um or, you know, there's there's other situations like camera apps where it tends to be that you've got your um, your main view is the sort of central tab, you know, and then you've got uh, side views of content or whatever to either side of that. But you're expecting each tab, as it were, to be to be quite different from the other. Whereas with the the Mac OS control panel sort of tab, um, you're you're kind of you're filtering similar content yeah so breaking that all down that is why i say it depends yeah i think that's fair and i think in the context of this trackpad setting screen on the mac to me i start thinking that could lend itself more to like a master detail view yeah you imagine if this was you know 
Well, think about the settings app on iOS. That's exactly how that works, isn't it? Yeah. So I guess you'd drill down, you'd go settings app, then you'd tap on trackpad on the left. That would then you know, slide over to reveal point and click, scroll and zoom, more gestures. And then you yeah. tap on one of those three, and then the right-hand side of the screen would then show the point and click options or the more gestures. Yeah, so you're drilling down in that way. Yeah. Imagine that were the case on the Mac. I'm thinking it through in my head. I, I don't think I'd have a massive issue with, with that, but I feel like a lot of other people would, which has kind of get, gave me this tone of, like, am I getting it wrong? Have I just been... Have I not been a proper Mac user this whole time, <laughs> the fact that I'm so easily wooed by something different? Well, I, I feel the same. Um, and p- part of this, I think, we need to caution here is that we are iOS developers, you know, first and foremost, above being any other sort of Apple OS developer. So perhaps, you know, there's a tendency there for us to look at these things and be, be perfectly okay with problems being solved in this way. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I'm looking around the control panel um, now, looking around the settings screen. Um, on my Mac and part of the reason that this UI makes sense is because the navigation is all at that top area you know as you, as you click down into each icon your your back button if you like is in the, the top of the window, the search is up there as well and then you know if you're going to control any other bit it makes sense to, to be right next to where the mouse is because you are mm-hmm. probably there already um, as you're sort of finding where you need to be. Um, if you were to use a master detail view in the way that you're saying, and every single control panel within the system preferences fit that format, it wouldn't matter. You'd be browsing from the left-hand side and yeah. moving through. So, you know, that that would be perfectly okay. You, you've got the argument that you're going to be moving around a lot more, I think, is, is perhaps one argument that could be leveled against it. Uh, but I think people would get used to it. And I could certainly see as things sort of start to converge a little bit more that that might be one area that, that Apple do just sort of make, you know, catalysty iOS UI kitty, uh, for want of better phrases, <laughs> um, you know, to consolidate how the um, how the setting screens work. Uh, yeah. Perhaps not a great and need will... to do it immediately overnight, you know? Yeah, and, and I will say that like your your answer of it depends i think almost it that carries with me as well because i the way i look at my mac uh is kind of like i've got apps and then i've got pro apps so apps what what comes under apps for me well i would say things like skype things like the new twitter app uh the messages app the music app the yep. notes app that you know, th- those kind of things yeah um, and I've got absolutely no problem at all with those kind of apps being as kind of like iOS-y as they like. Yep, and I would Whereas, definitely include Slack in amongst that. Please give me the iOS version of Slack <laughs> on the Mac. <laughs> and, then, and then then like with the Pro apps, I'm thinking these are apps that when I expect them to launch, I don't want them to be iOS-y at all. Because they are they are tools. They are you know I want as much information to show on that screen as possible. Uh, I'm thinking like Xcode. I'm thinking Affinity Designer. I'm thinking BB Edit. Again, that 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 kind of stuff. Um, so I kind of feel like on one hand I'm saying I really love this kind of iOSy UI kittiness, 
that can give, I think, Mac apps a bit of a more modern, fresher look. Because it was really startling to me when, because I, I had the two apps side by side. I had the Catalyst app, and just the way that I think the tab views a, a nicely designed piece of UI. Frankly, I think it looks really nice. And then next to it, I had well the Mac version, which is like what we're seeing here in this trackpad section of the settings, and it just looked like it was kind of comparing sort of bad analogy, perhaps, but it's like you're comparing Windows 10 to Windows 98. Yeah. Windows 98 being the Mac kind of version. That makes sense. <laughs> it, it, it just looked and felt old and tired. Yeah. And I don't know whether I'm just sort of overreacting to that feeling and actually there's good reason why things are the way they are, but I just feel like, I don't know. It just looked that the, uh, the Catalyst app almost looked like it had had a fresh coat of paint that the Mac kind of needs in some ways. Yeah. So I like I like the direction of travel that the Mac OS design has had in recent years. Um sort of post Yosemite. I I've I've really been liking that a lot. Um I just feel like some of like the windowing UI needs to come a little bit further along. It feels like it's not quite done to me yet. Yeah. Um I don't know, but yeah, it's um just just an an interesting interesting thought. Um well, I, th- I think what you've discovered there by, by going both routes is that it's worth kind of considering each one to some degree. Like, I mean, again, this is a, another fencing sort of a response, I guess. But, you know, so be it. That's that's fine. I think this stuff is nuanced. And what I mean is, is that it's worth looking at either route depending on what you're building. And maybe in these sort of early stages of, of um, Catalyst and things kind of being quite um, undefined in a lot of ways in terms of what's right and what's wrong and what really fits, maybe it's worth doing that when you've got a different application idea and kind of seeing what it looks like in one one take of it and then giving the, uh, the, the other side a bit of a look as well. When you've got an app that's potentially going to I don't know. Not that doesn't necessarily need to be the uh, the UI kit iOS kind of formatted view. Um, and if it is just a utility app or something like that, that might actually feel better for having the sort of more um, app kit based interpretation on the Mac. It might be worth you know doing the necessary to sort of just take a look and, and see what that UI looks like on on the other side of the fence, rather than just assuming mm. you know okay. I've got it as a as a iPad app on the Mac, and that's good enough, and it looks okay. Some apps or some parts of apps might look better under the other interpretation. Um, yeah. So it, it could be worth at this stage as a developer, certainly as an indie, you know, trying to sort of find um, what really sort of fits uh, for the sake of you know spinning up another project and uh, inserting the code into the right wrapper it could certainly be worth just taking a look and just sort of seeing how things feel. Yeah. And actually kind of sitting here listening to you talk, I don't think having the tab bar at the bottom is a good idea in terms of UI, in terms of um, how how you would use it. I just think it looks really good. Yeah. I think it's kind of what I'm I'm getting at here. Um, I think it would work much better like I, like I said earlier about the like the you know master detail kind of approach yeah but in in in, in any case I, I just i just feel like the the kind of traditional 
Mac approach just kind of looks tired next to it, either as a tab view or as like a master detail. It just kind of looked fresh and new and exciting to me on the Mac. Yeah. Which is which doesn't make a huge amount of sense because we've seen this on iOS for years and we're used to it now. But I think just seeing it on the Mac, it just kind of like... it. Looked, Kind of made me hopeful, I think, actually, uh, among a lot of things. I know we're going to get a lot of pushback from, uh, uh, you know, certain people in th- th- that don't want this. But I think for a, lo- a lot of people, this is going to make a lot of sense. Um, you know, just imagine your average user that buys a Mac because they've heard they're good and they're easy to use. And they've already got an iPad or they've already got an iPhone. And yep. then that kind of that design language is going to come right across to the Mac and to them that is what a Mac app is going to feel like that will be kind of what is Mac like that that will be Mac like to those people yeah so I think we need to be careful when we say this it, you know x or y isn't Mac like because I think that can be very different to to different people Okay, we'll call that a wrap. If you've enjoyed today's show, it'd be great if you could leave us a review on iTunes or if you could leave us a recommendation in Overcast by hitting that star button. That will help us reach even more like-minded people. Um, Also, we have our Slack channel. We'd love to invite you to join. Our hope is it can be a really great place for fellow developers to come and hang out. If you'd like to join, uh, just leave us a message on Twitter at WFR Podcast and we'll get you signed up. So, Dave, before we run off, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at DWRoboHeads. That's RoboHead spelled with a Z. And you can find my apps at RoboHeads.com. Again, that's RoboHead spelled with a Z. How about you, Dave? You can follow me online at DaveNot.co.uk or on Twitter, I'm at underscore DaveNot. <laughs>